Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the show. You know what's funny? Uh, doing this show all the time. I mean, every day. This is what we do. Yes. And for many hours, which we're very grateful about. Uh, but it's hard to take care of like the normal life stuff. Did you say we? are very grateful don't include yes i'm including you in this you can't speak for me so (laughs) it's hard to keep up with like regular life stuff like i had to send i had to send a fedex to my dad and it's like because we do everything really quickly like in our business you think everyone else does things quickly right yeah but i'm there and they're taking and bless this woman's heart but like taking forever i'm like i gotta go to work i'm going live you're gonna make me late for my job and then you you're just on the phone doing some things i'm not gonna say what you know well yeah because it's nobody's business but, but like you're like she's talking too slow i'm trying to get well, yeah, this she done was talking really so i'm like oh my god like she's like moving at a slow you're like i'm place. going live i can't do this but like it is hard and i you don't need to be a person that's on the radio and live to feel this way how difficult is it to manage your kind of your work life and then just being a responsible human just being. Just say you're stressed. That's all. Do I sound stressed? Yeah, you do. You sound very chaotic. You actually walked into the room like a tornado. I feel like I was Dorothy. Like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore because Tornado Shira is in the building. Dorothy brought you, brought everyone to the yellow brick brick road and to the the wisdom and the answer of life. She did. You have you ever watched? (laughs) (laughs) You ever watched? They followed her. No one. What? I thought they followed her, and then everyone figured out everything. I have watched it a long time ago. It all ended up good. No? Am I crazy? I I just think we should move forward. They killed the witch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coming up, we've got lots of news happening. Is polarization not as bad for the U.S. as we think? That's in 30 minutes. Plus, what is fluorona? More on the new COVID variant at 325 p.m. Pacific, 625 p.m. Eastern. These names... I can't take it. Uh, First, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Arizona, Alabama, and South Dakota are already taking aim at transgender youth, and ACLU lawyer Chase Strangio is stepping up. He tweeted, It is January, which means states will be starting legislative sessions soon, and we will again see gratuitous attacks on trans people, particularly trans youth. Now, uh, we should all remember that in 2021, over 250 anti-LGBTQ bills were filed in state legislators all over the country, most of which attacked the rights of transgender youth. So it's going to be, unfortunately, it seems a busy year ahead. A lot of work to do. Now, following criticism over the CDC's decision last week to shorten its recommended isolation period for those who test positive for coronavirus but have no symptoms, 
They are now acknowledging that the best approach includes seeking an out, out an at-home, a rapid at-home COVID-19 test before ending isolation. So after those five days, don't just go out in public in the open. Get a test first, which seems pretty smart and practical. You know what I always forget? Like, well, I guess I still don't understand, and maybe later on in the show, well, I'll be able to ask her doctor. I still never really understand what the difference between a PCR test is and, like, the uh, the antigen test. Well, antigen ha- has a smaller percentage of being um, able to tell you the results. So it's, like, se- oh, so 70 it's- to 80%, whereas the so PCR antigen, is 95. You, should, you shouldn't do an antigen. Yeah, they're saying it's, it's less uh, reliable. Oh. FYI. It's a different way of getting the results somehow, but it's also a bit less reliable. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That is awful. But if you take a few, you would say if, if all of them are negative, you're probably negative. There's only so many false negatives or false positives that can happen. Well, so there's, there. I mean, false negatives are But take a few. Thing. Like, I took one when I had COVID. I thought one was negative, and then it went back to positive. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to rely on this. It's probably positive still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Okay, interesting. Well, Attorney General Eric Garland is um, comparing the threats of violence against public officials and essential workers right now to the January 6th attack. Here he is. Election officials and election workers, airline flight crews, school personnel, journalists, local elected officials, U.S. senators and representatives, and judges, prosecutors, and police officers have been threatened and or attacked. These are our fellow citizens who administer our elections, ensure our safe travel, teach our children, report the news, represent their constituents, and keep our communities safe. Some have been told that their offices would be bombed. Some have been told that they would murdered, and precisely how. That Okay, well, yeah, um, that is not a good thing. And we're going to be talking more about the January 6th uh, attacks. And tomorrow is the anniversary in 15 minutes. Uh, But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. Remember, you know, that hit series, Netflix's hit series that basically brought us through 2020, uh, Cheer, the docuseries? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a weird update about that show. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. <laughs> now, if you don't remember. Ryan, do you remember when you, okay, you did a. How about we not? Okay. Yeah. Um, if you don't remember Thank the you. show that everyone was watching in 2020, uh, Cheer is a docuseries following the ups and downs of Navarro's uh, college. Um, it's their competitive cheer squad as they work to win a coveted national title. That was the first series. Well, guess what, honey? They are coming back for a second series. Mm. And um, the basically Jerry Harris, who was a breakout star that everyone fell in love with until the big scandal hit, um, the series is coming back January 12th, and they are going to be talking about that scandal. Apparently, he is oblivious to the seriousness of his situation. Mm -hmm. One of his co-stars says in a new episode of the reality show, um, he basically wrote a letter, and it was hard to read. Um, The coach said, uh, her name is Monica Alderman, or Alderman, yeah, whatever. Monica, she's the head coach, remember her? Mm -hmm. Um, She actually is saying that he wrote her a letter, and she said his letter was so optimistic, like there was not one negative thing in this letter. He said that he hopes to one day be a motivational speaker. Well, getting to the other side of something problematic in life. 
she I don't know how that she happens. She was caught off guard by the tone of his letter and has not responded to it. Um, but she says she confesses to feel torn about him mm. because she loved him like her own child. Makes sense. Honey, he is facing um, as much as 30 years in prison. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he could be a motivational speaker in prison. They could use that. Yeah. Um, it's also a bit like not understanding what's going on, like your your toxic positivity or something. Yeah, it's a little wild that he's like um, kind of, that's the response that we hear. I, to be honest, the reason why I love this show, the makers of this show, they actually have another docuseries that follows like sports, like um, football and basketball. Mm-hmm. And they've had scandals like this happen on the football teams where like one of the football players actually murdered someone at one point. And they always cover it. They always talk about the elephant in the room, which yeah. I really appreciate about appreciate it. Um, and so, I don't know. I'm excited for cheer. Season two, January 12th. It's coming out. Everyone will be watching. And that's your tea report. We got more coming up next hour. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, uh, next up tomorrow is the anniversary of the attack on the Capitol. So could it happen again? We get into it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, I can't believe it. Tomorrow marks a year since the attack on the Capitol. And nothing's changed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that takes me into joining us to reflect and look at what's ahead is Richard Fowler, Fox News political commentator. Thanks for being here and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, y'all. Right? So I I can't believe how the time has flown, and we're here now, a year later. Have we learned anything as a nation since, or did it further divide us? Uh, it's interesting, right? I think we learn things as a nation, right? I think we learned that people are willing to go to the extreme um, to protect because of a big lie. But I think we've also learned, we've also been divided. I think this country is more polarized now than it has ever been in its history, mm-hmm. besides maybe the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems like we are just, we're finding out more and more as the committee dives in deeper into, you know, th- what happened really and what took place on January 6th. Um, are there any updates that our listeners should kind of know about? Well, I think what you're going to see tomorrow, right, on the actual anniversary is you will see Speaker Pelosi make some comments. You'll definitely see a moment. There will be a moment of silence on the House floor, um, sort of commemorating the loss of the, 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 the number of Capitol Police officers and also commemorating what actually happened to the United States Capitol. And the reason why that's so important is the last time the United States Capitol was invaded was during the War of 1812. And just think about that for a minute. We were invaded by the British. And then the next time that the Capitol was attacked, was by Americans because they bought into a big lie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and obviously this investigation is still happening, and now it's come out that, you know, the text between uh, Fox News' Sean Hannity, um, also Laura Ingram and Brian Kilmeade with uh, Meadows. And so how will this shift the investigation or how we look at this and who is responsible, or will it? Well, I think what, the, what, their, what their text messages actually show is it shows that they were people who were very close to the president, especially um, Sean Hannity sort of saying, this is a bad idea. You can't just overturn an election because you feel like it. You lost and you need to give up the ghost. And yet still the president and many of his advisors thought it was OK to continue pushing a big lie even though some of their closest confidants said, this is a really bad idea, Mr. President. 
Yeah, it really is. And, I, you know, one thing for me that I feel like we should all be thinking about, especially people in the media, What? how do you think the media should be covering it tomorrow? Should we, you know, I, I feel like I was watching The View and uh, uh, y- Yvette Nicole Brown, she was on, um, she was on and she made a really good point about, you know, on 9-11, we would see like the Today Show open up saying, what a beautiful day in New York. But then it would go straight into showing the horrific moments mm. that actually took place to remind the American people like this is what happened we have to know and not take it lightly should we you know should people in the media us as journalists should we be thinking about that you know moving forward and how we cover a day like today well yesterday well tomorrow you know you know I got, <laughs> well i think know. that's a very interesting question right because as the more and more we, we have to we have to sort of strike an interesting balance because the more and more we cover it and the more and more we provide air to the big lie the longer we allow the lie to continue Right. But with that being said, if we don't talk about it, then we have the sort of like as, as the saying goes, if you don't talk, if you don't talk about your history, then you have the ability to repeat it again. So we have to sort of walk this tightrope between talking about it, but not accidentally glorifying what these insurrectionists or I like to call them domestic terrorists did to this country. Yeah, the problem is, is that when different people have different views of reality, that's really difficult, including when like Trump is going to have an event or something or speaking tomorrow it really shows, so, I feel like, the lack of sensitivity towards this. So I think you're right. Now, we do, the president, in all fairness to former President Trump, he did cancel tomorrow's event. And he's basically saying he'll make all of his remarks at a rally in Arizona on uh, January 6th. 15th or 16th, but there will not be an event for Mar-a-Lago tomorrow. But he once again, in his press statement, saying that he's not having the event, he once again doubled down on the big lie, saying that the election was stolen, Mm -hmm. even though there is no evidence, there continues to be no evidence, and no evidence will appear of voter fraud or anything to the nature. (laughs) Yeah, it's just really, it's it's really wild in all honesty, and I I think... Even, let's just say, once the committee finds everything they need to know, what is actually what could actually potentially happen? It, I mean, is anyone really going to be held accountable in these moments? Well, that is what we're going to have to wait to see, Ryan. We don't know. We will, the findings will definitely come out, and I do believe that the January 6th committee will likely publish a report. Will that report, will there be referrals for prosecutions to the Justice Department Will the Justice Department take up those prosecutions? Now, you would have to be a psychic to know that. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah, the the DOJ has already charged 325-plus defendants with felonies relating to January 6th. 20 have pled guilty. And then in the months ahead, according to Attorney General Garland, 17 defendants are already scheduled to go to trial for their role in felony conspiracies. But... It just feels like it's not being taken and so we, seriously. And, you know, and we were talking about yesterday on the show how there was a, a recent poll that was just taken and, and, and showed that there was a, a pretty, I mean, intense uh, percentage of people who felt that, you know, violence against the the country or, you the know, government. The, the government is justified at times. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that sort of tells you where we are as a country. People think it's okay. And, and I think you have to look at this in a juxtaposition. And I said this yesterday when I was giving an interview, and I'll say the same thing here. When African-Americans and and, and folks who were saying Black Lives Matter after Michael Brown, after Trayvon Martin, after George Floyd, what you heard from the conservative right was attacking them, saying that they were doing wrong, 
But when those when those protesters made it to the Lincoln Memorial, they didn't go to the Lincoln Memorial to destroy the Lincoln Memorial. They went to the Lincoln Memorial because they wanted to be in the same place where mm-hmm. Dr. King marched. Mm-hmm. Where and you juxtaposition that to what we saw take place on January sixth. Conservative supporters of the president, after believing a big lie, decided that they were not only going to march to the Capitol and not in a peaceful protest, but they thought they were going to use violence. They had they had a noose. They had beer. They had bear spray. They had pepper spray. They had weapons. They defecated in the Capitol, all in an attempt to overturn an election or for better term, for better words, all in an attempt to, to for a coup to ensure that Donald Trump was maintained maintained his presidency. So you have to look at this in a juxtaposition if you really want to have a fair assessment of where we are as a country. Peaceful protesters are labeled as violent. Violent protesters who label the peaceful protesters as violent were actually the ones that were violent. Well, well, you said it. Love having you on. Thank you so much again for joining us. Y'all are welcome. That was Richard Fowler, Fox News political commentator. And this is an interesting segue to our next topic about polarization. Is all polarization bad? How the U.S. may have gone too far to come back next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, this is an interesting new fact. For the first time, the U.S. has become classified as a backsliding democracy. I don't even know what that means. We're going to find out more, meaning we're going in reverse. Our democracy. I know what black backsliding means, but, you know. It's... The, in the context of everything happening, I mean, are we just now? Should we just now be certified it's, as that? It's or? like if uh, you know the feels a little late to you me. You know, on TikTok, the jerk challenge where you're going backwards. It's like that, but in democracy. You know, the jerk is an actual old dance. Right? Yes, I know it's old dance, but then people were doing anyway. It was a metaphor <laughs> for going back. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, we have someone here to talk more about this, uh-huh. and and one of the key reasons is actually polarization. Robert uh, Talis joins us right now, professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for being here. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's good to be talking to you. Yes. Okay. First, backsliding democracy. What does that mean? Because we're here, and that's concerning. Oh yeah. So what it means is that. Um, you know, uh, however well uh, our society or our country was at realizing the democratic ideal, uh, we are going in the wrong direction. So we're not getting better at um, realizing democracy. We're getting worse. And mainly it has to do with um, uh, this, you know, the, the durable popularity of the lie that uh, the last presidential election was fraudulent. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I, I think I always think about, like, democ- obviously democracy as a whole and, and our, this country. And it feels like, as I just mentioned, that it feels a little late to now being classified because it seems like the United States was unfortunately kind of preparing for this in some ways. Like, we, you could see kind of the building blocks to get us to this moment even before the 20, you know, Donald Trump being the president. Yeah, so, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the, the designation really, um, you know, has to do with the, mainly with the fact that, you know, um, there was a peaceful transfer of power uh, when Hillary Clinton lost. There was a peaceful transfer of power uh, when um, the Supreme Court decided that uh, Bush was president rather than Gore. Uh, and there wasn't a peaceful transfer of power uh, a year ago tomorrow. Yeah. Definitely. In your article, you also talk about different polarities. What are they? Right. So, you know, we hear a lot about polarization, and polarization is usually one of the diagnostic uh, concepts that people use when they're talking about what's going wrong with democracy in the United States. Uh, It's not often defined. Um, Some kinds of polarization are actually healthy. Uh, You know, uh, voters need clear signals of what the differences between their candidates and the parties are. And so when the candidates are far apart on issues, it makes it easier for citizens to figure out who to vote for. So polarization in the sense of uh, having an ideological division between um, different candidates and opposing parties is actually healthy for democracy. But there's another phenomenon called uh, belief polarization, which is cognitive. It's, it's a psychological phenomenon, which um, has to do with the sort of yes man uh, uh, syndrome. Uh, you surround yourself with people who uh, keep telling you how smart you are and how right you are. And uh, you start shifting into a more radical version of yourself. And as you shift into a more radical version of yourself, not only do you believe more radical versions of your ideas, Mm -hmm. but you come to see more and more people who don't agree with you as stupid and ignorant and benighted and irredeemable. And that's really unhealthy for a democracy to adopt the attitude that uh, democracy is possible only if everyone agrees with your own ideas, right? 
Yeah, and I think this is such an interesting conversation that we're going to keep you on to talk a little bit more about this because honestly, it sounded like you described the internet and, and probably is the real reason, the cause for a lot of these, you know, belief polarizations. But don't go anywhere, everyone. We got more conversation coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking about polarization here in the U.S. and how far it's gone. There's a good polarization we've learned and a bad one. I think we're mostly seeing the not so good one here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, back with us is Robert Talese, who is a professor of philosophy at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, to talk more about this. Shout out to Nashville. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the, it was so interesting because I, I, I feel like as you were talking about um, this polarization loop, as you kind of mentioned in, in your article on theconversation.com, it really feels like we're going to be stuck in that as long as social media and the internet sticks around because it's our echo chamber, right? We're finding people yeah. that are supporting our biases. It's not going anywhere. So what do you think the solution is if there is even one? Well, you know, I don't know if I do solutions, uh, to be honest with you. Um, But, you know, one thing to to point out, because I think you're totally right, that um, social media is um, certainly a large part of the explanation for how we got to where we are. But it's important to notice that even even our offline lives have become increasingly segregated according to partisanship in the United States. Right now in the United States, it's increasingly unlikely that the person standing behind you online when you buy groceries voted for a different person from the one you voted for. Hmm. If you shop at Whole Foods, you know who else shops there politically. (laughs) If you go to Dunkin' Donuts to buy coffee, chances are that the people who are behind you online are conservatives. If you go to Starbucks, chances are they're liberal. That is, our social spaces outside of online spaces are increasingly uh, sorted into, um, according to our partisan divides, uh, our neighborhoods, uh, our professions, uh, our schools, occupations. The chances that your dentist is liberal is really, really high in the United States. The chances that your surgeon is conservative is really high. Last thing on this, negative attitudes towards cross-partisan marriage in the United States are more severe than negative attitudes towards interracial or, or interfaith marriages. Wow. wow. Well, that, now, that would make sense yeah. that people are more anti-people of different um, political views coming together than different backgrounds, that's right. like cultures or ra- genders or races. So That's right. So the world around us, not just in our social media feeds, the world around us is an echo chamber, yeah. right? Well, what do we do uh, about that? How do we manage it? How Can we get to a place where we're not regressing? Yeah, so I think that there are really just two, um, uh, two things that we could try. Um, one is, um, you know... Partisan animosity has been around a long time. People don't like the other, you know, the, the, the other party. That's been with us for a long time. What's new in the past 25 years or so in the United States is that partisan animosity is now targeted at our fellow citizens rather than the politicians and the leaders of the opposing party. You know, my dad hated Jimmy Carter. My dad did not hate the guy who lived across the street from us in New Jersey who voted for Jimmy Carter. Mm. That's changed 
Now partisan animosity is targeted at fellow citizens and not simply party leaders and politicians. One of the things that's changed in the country around the, you know, along the, uh, at the same time is that um, more and more of our activities in our day-to-day lives um, are seen by us as expressive of our partisan identities. Um, you know, people, uh, people bowl as much as they ever did in the country. But bowling leagues that are not designed by the participants, so they're not choosing who the members are, they've almost gone away. So fewer and fewer activities are open to us where we might encounter somebody Uh who's politically different from ourselves in a context where we're doing something other than politics. So, Robert, I that's got to change. And and, and I think what's really interesting is for me, what's coming up is even even though that now the kind of like the blame, if that's the lack for a better word, is kind of being placed on the people who are voting, like the citizens who are voting these people in office, it does feel like both of those need to exist, right? The blame of the the politicians who are being elected yeah. and the blame of the people who are who are voting these people in office because it's like lives are at stake and we've seen yeah. what happens when the, the, the pot boils over and that's it gets right. just really bad, you know? That's right. And the politicians are benefiting from the way in which our society is divided along partisan lines. So they're not going to change it. They benefit. It makes it easier for them to run their campaigns when they can say, are you, you know, our our most likely voter is also shopping for these products in these stores, driving this kind of car, living in this kind of neighborhood, going to this kind of, you know, center of worship on the weekends. It makes, you know, a homogenized uh, citizenry is good news for well, Democratic candidates. Robert, so the change isn't going to come from the from the politicians, yeah. I'm afraid. We, we got to wrap up. But yes, I, I get yeah. that the change needs to come from all of us. And you definitely hit that on the head. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I appreciate the time. Thank you. That was Robert Tallis um, from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Next up, we've got what's trending this hour. Chastin Buttigieg, he had as a response to a homophobic troll who attacked the family next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, more music coming up right here on Channel Q, but right now we've got more show. We're going to be talking about Flurona. Oh, God. What is it? Now, hold on. Who is she? Yeah, the new COVID-19 variant that's in 15 minutes, plus the four words that suggest your partner is a cheating narcissist at the end of the hour. Wow, that's intense. I mean, who wouldn't want to know these things? I don't want to know that. Oh, no, you do. You're not curious? Four words that suggest that your partner is a narcissist? No, because none of those things are, like, listicles are not my vibes. It's four words. It's barely a list. (laughs) Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Um, A homophobic troll left an insulting comment on a photo of Chastin Buttigieg and his family. And guess what? Chastin didn't let him get away with it. Chastin posted a photo with his husband and Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, and their twin babies at the White House saying a very sweet message about 2021, the new year, and here's to a peaceful and joyful 2022. Most commenters, of course, were very supportive. One left a nasty comment. In an Instagram story, Chastin called out that commenter, which who is an independent contractor for a real estate company. So they were called out, put on blast, and he said someone actually gave um, these beeps kids holy beep word. So Chastin wrote, in the year 2022, you'd think these people would be wise enough to post their homophobia from an alt account, not one easily connected to their job, rather than embarrassing uh, for American Homes for Rent, a company that claims to be an equal housing provider and building inclusion and belonging. I worry for your attendance. 
So, yeah, he basically called out this person and the company. So I'm assuming uh, that person maybe got fired, mm. you think? Probably. Uh, now, hope. more than 300,000 public school students in Chicago are off today after the district canceled classes due to a row with the city's te- teachers union over COVID-19 concerns. Last night, 73% of the 25,000-plus members of the Chicago Teachers Union voted to refuse orders to work in person. They want to work remotely, but the school district uh, doesn't want to allow teachers to work remotely during the current COVID-19 surge, so it canceled all classes in the district. They seem to not be on the same page, which is really unfortunate. Uh, And you saw a news headline that they were even charging some people or they're going to get uh, charged in some way. Wow, what a game of phone. phone. No, I remember you said you mentioned <laughs> it. As well. No, it's a, the CNN had a headline where uh, they were mentioning that Mayor um, Lightfoot out of Chicago is threatening to withhold pay for teachers if they don't show That's up. That's wild. That's sad. All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Woo! Anthony Anderson, because in the final season, you know, the final season of Blackish is um, airing right now. Um, they basically, uh, Anthony Anderson is opening up about his relationship with his uh, co-star, Tracy Ellis Ross, who admittedly was not his biggest fan for about a decade. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, in an interview with the uh, Parade, um, basically, Anderson confessed that before the two were cast as on-screen husband and wife, he did not make the best first impression. He said this, quote, we laugh about this now, but Tracy didn't like me for maybe 10 years. We hosted the Vibe Awards back in 2005. As we were walking onto the stage, there was a loud sound over the speaker. And I said, Tracy, did you fart? The audience loved it. But what I did not know is how offended oh. Tracy was by that comment. He says, late, years later, he's. I remember I did an episode of her show, Read Between the Lines, in 2011, and all my scenes were with Tracy, and when it came time for my close-up, she would leave the stage, like, <laughs> the stage is Anthony's. Uh, uh, he said, I thought Tracy was just showing, uh, showing me the utmost respect as an actor, but he ended up finding out that, well, looking back, she just didn't want to be around oh. me. <laughs> yeah, fart jokes don't work well. I, I try to tell you that all the time. Do I make fart jokes? You made. You wanted us to do a fart story yesterday. <laughs> that and wasn't I was a like, joke. That's a real story. Me? Anyway, um, but that is your tea report. I just, I'm so happy that they are coming to the end of Blackish because they've created such a legacy with that show. And um, I love Anthony Anderson and Tracy Ellis Ross. That's your tea report. Got more coming up next hour. Okay. Well, what is fluorona, and how do you prepare yourself? We get into it next. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Doctors have been concerned for a while about the potential impact of a twin-demic. So could Florona season be upon us? You know, the first case was detected here at a, at the, oh. um, uh, what's that, the Getty Center? Oh, It yeah. was uh, because they have testing over there and it, it, breaking news. It was literally detected there. Okay. Which they need to take their Florina somewhere else. <laughs> Flor- Flor- Wait, yeah. Flor- Florona. 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 Dr. Imaj Adalja joins us right now again, infectious disease doctor at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Okay, so it's pretty self-explanatory, but yeah, Florona is what? Just coming from the expert's mouth. Florona, I don't like the term, but Florona is a a co-infection with both the influenza virus and SARS-CoV-2, the cause of COVID-19. And although everybody is saying that this is like the first case, these were very common in the early days of the pandemic. There were multiple co-infections with both influenza and COVID. It's just that flu basically disappeared with all the social distancing, so people forgot about it. And now they think this one is the first one, but it really was something we described uh, early on. And it's it's unclear what its significance is, but yes, this is possible, and you can get coronavirus with other viruses as well. Uh, viral co-infections are very common. So, what are the symptoms? Are they different from what you would you know the other variants that we know of? There wouldn't really be much of a difference in symptoms. They might be pronounced more pronounced because both flu and COVID nineteen have very similar overlapping symptoms so they could be more pronounced it could be more severe if that's if or they could be something that's a little bit different because maybe one virus interferes with the other we don't really have enough data to say that there's a different clinical course for people that have uh, infections with both viruses it's something that we need to study but in in general it's going to be very similar a very similar experience so i guess how contagious would would that be it's worrisome, but is it really that worrisome? I feel like we keep on raising red flags about everything at this point. No, I don't think this is anything worrisome. It, it's, to me, very interesting that this is now a headline when people didn't really pay much attention to it back in January of 2020 when all of us were noticing these types of uh, co This was that people were not, it wasn't on people's radar. But no, I don't necessarily think it's anything to be worried about, but it is a good reason to remind people that flu is back and that we have a safe and effective vaccine that prevents people from having the severe consequences of influenza and and uh, not having flurona so why not get why not use this as a as a as a time to remind people to get vaccinated uh, for flu well i think to go back to the red flag thing i i feel like because it's literally it seems like yeah, everyone back in 2020 was kind of, it was happening, things were, it was at the height of the pandemic, but it feels like, unfortunately, it feels like we're right back at where we were in 2020, where now, I mean, everyone, I mean, specifically me, that I know has had it at some point, or is dealing with it, and so maybe the idea of everyone's antennas kind of being up, and this feeling like it's a headline now, is because, oh, if you get too relaxed, then, you know, that just makes everything worse when it comes down the line. No, I I think that you know it's a mistake to think that we're at the ba- at, that we're at the beginning of the pandemic. We're we're in a totally different place in terms of the knowledge we have of this virus, the tools like antivirals and monoclonal antibodies, the vaccines, as well as rapid tests when you can find them. All of that puts us in a much different position. Although, you know, Omicron has has changed the way people think about this because everybody is going to get infected. But this was sort of what the virus was destined to do anyway. It was going to mutate to a more contagious variant, one that can get around immunity and infect people. And if you're vaccinated, 
I think that you're in a, a much better place than you were uh, two years ago when it, no one no one was immune. And I think we have to keep that in mind, even though there's going to be a lot of panicky headlines yeah. in, in the weeks and months to come. Yeah. Well, then what is your take on the uh, crazy surge of cases? I mean, was it inevitable? Should we just kind of say, OK, this is here and not be, uh, be as uh, shocked or feeling scared about it? In a way, yes, because when you have a, a, a virus with the mutations like Omicron does, there was no question that it was going to spread the way that it did. And if you're fully vaccinated, the case that you're going to inevitably get is going to be mild. And that's a win, a win for the vaccine and a win for you individually. This is a, an endemic respiratory virus. It's not going back into bats. Uh, this is going to be with us for the duration of our species existence on the planet. So it, it's not something you can avoid forever. And the, the thing is, Omicron mutating to get around immunity is exactly what other coronaviruses do all the time, the four that caused 25% of our common cold. So to me, it wasn't surprising or panicking. It, it, it's, it's about making sure that people get infected only after they've been vaccinated so they don't end up taking up a hospital bed. So that's the, the threat that Omicron poses is that we still have high-risk people who are not vaccinated that are at risk for crushing their community hospitals. And, and that's what's going to be the, you know, the, the, in part of the tough weeks that we have uh, coming in the rest of, for the rest of January. Yeah. What do you think about the frustrations around um, the rapid testing and, and the fact that it's so difficult to find them or being able to even, you know, get a test when you need them. And that is also kind of a part of why the spread is happening so much. It's like, you don't really even know. Um, yes, of course, if you're vaccinating all these things, but it's just like testing feels like it's, we're at a difficult point where there's just not enough. Testing has always been sort of the original sin of this pandemic. We've never been able to keep pace with the need for testing. It's always been flawed, undervalued, non-optimally used and there's really no excuse for it because we've been asking for testing in my field from the very first days of this pandemic and even prior to this this surge around christmas we were telling everyone that there was going to be major shortages that there were shortages even back in october that people were driving everywhere to find these tests so this was a predictable and preventable issue that happened it's just that the way that the government has handled the testing situation they've really constrained supply made it very difficult for new entrants to the market prices are very high because of the regulatory compliance and and there's such a high out-of-pocket cost that people don't don't use them and i think we're going to continue to be kind of meandering along in this pandemic until people can be tested anytime they want and that's especially going to be true when we have this antiviral in higher in higher availability because we need to get people that antiviral quickly. So they need to be tested very quickly. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you as always for your insights. Get into the point. We appreciate it. Thanks. That was Dr. Amrish Adalja, an infectious diseases expert at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Next up, what is the climatarian diet? The trend to hit 2022 next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've already got a new buzzword for 2022, a diet trend. Uh, It's actually been around, but now they're just putting a new word to it. It's called climatarian. What was that? Well, I think just it's really about being just plant based. Right. So they're saying if you're into helping the planet, if you're trying to help climate change, right, you could be a climatarian. As a diet, which means that you lessen your 
meat,、um, you know, eating, and you eat more plant-based foods, vegetables, legumes, seeds. <laughs> Which sounds like when I say seeds, like I don't know. I mean, this isn't plant-based. You can eat chicken. Well, I actually thought this was really interesting because we have talked about this before, right, on the show, and I thought this was an interesting take. That I haven't heard, but it makes sense. And it says that you know it's not about necessarily just having plant-based foods because replacing too much meat with that will also have a high environmental foot environmental footprint. Like we still need、uh, animals in the ecosystem, right? Like we still we can't just have everyone going to plant-based foods. Like so, what? Did you just find your excuse to eat meat again? No,、uh, no, I'm not into it ethically. Like I don't like the animal side. Some people do it because of the ethical nature of killing animals, and some people do it because of the environment. Some people do it because of both. Oh, vegans are exhausting. They say cattle and sheep have an important role in our ecosystem of turning grass, something inedible to humans, into high quality protein. Here's the reason why I I understand why this is important. Like you know, the carbon footprint of it all. Like I get it. Yeah. Um. But also, this is not everyone can't do this, and like, and I mean, it's Wait, not accessible when so it comes. Here's the thing: it's not accessible、uh-huh. when it comes to like low income like communities. It's not accessible even when it comes to like what if people's bodies, their body chemistry, just can't survive off of seeds and damn near grass. <laughs> like, eating isn't eating. I mean, eating grass and stuff isn't that、uh, hard, damaging the carbon footprint of it all as well. Because you're taking away from our earth, and you're can you you know you're eating it like you're ripping it. No, it's not the same. But、no. I could see what you're saying. You know, you know, if you really went you existential it? on it, you know, I've thought about it. Like, what if plants hurt? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all are eating the ball of the damn plants. So it's really about a balanced diet. There's not saying just to ditch everything. And I even say that when people are telling me, oh, you know, oh, I see what you're eating. You're vegetarian, or you do plant based or vegan. Sometimes I say. I would never tell someone to just like take that leap and do it. It's not about cutting everything out of your lifestyle or your eating habits. It's just saying that you lessen or you mix it up. It's just about a balance. But are you happy? Like I've seen some of the things that you've cooked because you、yeah. like to you like to put your cooking stuff、I、on there. I love、that. it. Are Are you actually happy with the things that yes, you're listen, eating? Listen, <laughs> I still eat. Yes, I am actually. <laughs> Omg. No, I'm serious.、Uh, Like I love, and everyone, it makes it actually easier experimenting with vegan. If you've ever been overwhelmed or intimidated by cooking, try vegetarian or vegan cooking because you cut out the hard part, which is cooking meat or fish. That can get messy sometimes, right? Or you could not cook it properly, and then you get sick. Anyway, just put some greens in a pot. Hey, there you go. So, and and the thing about accessibility, actually, it's true. But when you think about it. Lentils and beans, like lentil, and、uh, that's a can of lentils and beans, pretty cheap, and that's anywhere, by the way. Local、uh, f- seasonal fruits and vegetables. Maybe you can't find local or seasonal, but at any place there are fruits and vegetables. Whole grains, brown rice, pasta, wheat, like nuts, chicken. I mean, not chicken, but peanuts, hazelnuts. Like these aren't fancy foods. I think when you think about fancy or this or that, is like the Impossible Burger or these like other alternative things. Are a bit more pricey, but like the basics are lentils not. Lentils at Ralph's. It's a grocery store here. If you're listening from across the country, lentils at Ralph's, the organic kind, is two sixty. I didn't say organic. Organic would be great. However, we don't the, need the to do organic. The regular kind is lentil beans. Is like a dollar sixty nine. Yeah, exactly. That's still pretty.、Expensive. It's actually more expensive, and also with everything happening with pricing, meat is more expensive now than anything.、Uh, but 
still, you can do chicken. They're saying foods to avoid if you want to be a climatarian. Beef and lamb. Can, I wonder, can you be a climatarian without it affecting your diet? Like just no, changing the, the way that you're doing. No, because this is uh, about diet eating lifestyle. There's other things you can do f- to help with climate change. I, I, I get that, but I'm just saying, can you like... Yeah, you could not use so much... for the climate that's yeah, not about food. Electric cars, which that's not really easy and accessible. Um, you know, right. not using so much light. Like, you know, t- turning off the lights when you're not in a room or your house, which is great. And let, just saving buy money like anyway. energy saver light bulbs. Energy saving light, bul- light bulbs. Not using plastic, reusing stuff that you have like silverware and all that which also helps not buying new clothes which saves money anyway i don't agree with that (laughs) there you go (laughs) but where i'm even wrong you see i'm not perfect coffee and sugar hey supposedly bad for the planet that is i mean honestly i get it and i think it's important we need to have conversations about it um but i i you know i it just feels a little intense because you're just the one little little bead in a sea full of people who are not doing it and it's just no, like it's a does that effect. one little bead actually make the change that is necessary to keep and are we too late it needs to start are with one we person too late? if we think about those two things in the context and ways you're thinking about it we're never going to do anything in this world exactly we don't Gave <laughs> steps exactly alright well next up the four words that suggest your partner is a cheating narcissist yes happy new year that's next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This dating guru on TikTok has shared four words that suggest that your partner is a cheating narcissist. Oh. You know, and it's uh, gone viral. People are loving it. And it really resonates for a lot of people saying like, oh, I knew that. This happened to me. Okay, so he starts with this. And I want to get your take on these if if you're feeling it, right? Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Uh, well, he says, I love you uh, might just mean I love owning you. I love controlling you. I love using you. Oh, well. Feels so good to love bomb you, sweet talk to you, pull you in, and then discard, discard you whenever I please. I mean, I don't think everyone who says I love you means that. But let's move on to the others. What, what narcissists really mean when they say I love you? What narcissists mean yeah, when they, they say control. you're crazy? So in another video, she's just a friend or they're just a friend, okay? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that means they're cheating. You know, the funny thing about, I always am cautious about using the word narcissist, but I, I, I feel like there's most definitely so many of them out there, of course, you know? I don't know if I've ever dealt with any, um, if I'm being quite honest, um, because I just, I, I pay attention to red flags immediately. Like there's, there's something about, it's, and I think after being in a long-term relationship for so long where I was constantly being cheated on and constantly just like, just not feeling like my value or my worth was appreciated. Uh-huh. I think now I have just like, when there's a red flag that pops up, honey, it's a done deal. I'm nipping that thing in the bud. Yeah, you don't give it a moment, time. What if you're tra- really attracted to this person? You're like, no, I'll just hang out with them No, for a because it's just not really worth it. And because once you get, if you keep going, you'll get so trapped and you'll start making excuses mm. for that thing and their behavior and the and that person. And it's just like, you're never going to get out, especially if you are dating a narcissist because they're going to gaslight you into thinking that it's you and not them. It's a very uh, um, fine line. Have you right? dated a narcissist? Were you the I narcissist? I feel like, oh, I was going to ask you if you were the narcissist. No, actually, I feel like because I'm, I, I, 
honestly do feel very self-aware at times. These are the other th- phrases you might use, and then we could talk about our experience or what we've done. Okay. I'm sorry you feel this way actually means, sorry, not sorry, let's get this argument over with already so I can continue my abusive behavior in peace. I'm not sorry I did what I did. I'm sorry I got caught. Okay, I don't care anymore. What uh, have, have you done? And you're that? overreacting. That's another one. Okay. Have, anyway. you, have you been a narcissist? Have I been one or dated one? Dated one. I've, I've definitely dated... That's more interesting to pe- me. <laughs> you, you all already know me. You don't need me to talk more about myself. Oh, actually, I want to talk more about myself. <laughs> I'm not a narcissist at all, but I want to talk about myself. Um... So, yeah, I think I've dated people on the edge where, you know, it could be. narcissism? Yeah, where mm-hmm. it's like sublim, it's kind of subliminal or there's a very um, fine line, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. gray area where some, like they're really nice and they're good people, like overall. Right. But then there's things that they do that would be considered probably controlling or narcissistic, even though at the same time they have a lack of confidence and they're doing it because they almost are insecure. Interesting. You know? So wait, if if they have narcissistic traits, like if they if there's if they're like you said a good person altogether, does that? Yeah, you can still have narcissistic traits even though you're a good person. Can you? Yeah, everything is a spectrum, right? I don't know if I necessarily believe that because yeah, you're there's... not a good person if you're if you're if you're if you have those traits that are obviously negative. That's, I think that, that you would is... have parts of you, elements of you that are like okay, good, or like maybe you're you know uh, good in the work environment, but then you have certain triggers and things you need to heal. That's like if pr- you saying someone that mur- like mass murders right, someone. No, that's extreme. And then, but like on their regular day, but like, like, s- like subtle things, like things that are subtle that until yeah, you're aware. That well, you like they pay for them. someone's Starbucks order behind them. No, I don't think that's narcissistic. Like, no, I mean like a subtle, like they're a good person, but they yeah, have Yeah, but then they might, um, so for me, like narcissist qualities are, okay, so here, I dated someone that um, was very um, supportive of me and wanted to help me launch all these projects. Actually, yeah, I'm not going to get too much into detail because right. you might then know mm-hmm. this person. Yeah. Um, and then was like, you know, totally pumping me up all the time, saying how amazing I am, but then quickly sometimes would bring me down very quickly. <laughs> How does that make them a good person? Well, because overall, like, they're good, bro- like, to their brother, and they're a good, um, he was a great son. Like, he actually was, like, really good with his mom, but he has issues. So let's be clear. Oh, like, no. they're, yeah. See, that's, I find, I find. And he the has way to go to therapy. You, but I find the way that you're describing is kind of in, in some way making, like, making an excuse for them in some ways. Well, because I, if they have all yeah, these that's... things that are, like really harmful to you in, in that situation well, I, I honestly didn't realize at the time I was like oh this kind of feels weird and bad but, but like I normalized someone it someone a good person yeah I normalized it that's weird well yeah that's what happens when you are quote unquote a victim to this mm. yeah you're so not, now it's you not know. like you're real you're like in it you're like yeah, at the time, I didn't realize how maybe unhealthy and toxic it was until, like, even we'd be working together and I would say something that wasn't the right thing and he would yeah. kick me under the table, <laughs> like, in a meeting. And I would just start, I stopped talking at meetings and someone came to me at a party and said, sure, like, we had a meeting with you with this person you're with. Why didn't you talk at all? And I was like, well, he's great at what he does. Like, I think he he held it together. He could lead it. He's And they're like, that's weird. Like, it's like you're... Silencing yourself. So 2022, as we wrap up here, 2022, would you consider that person a good person? I think he did the best he could do with his uh, with his tools. Nah, girl, yes or no? Yeah, there's forgiveness there. There's forgiveness there. But like, I I think he's a hurt person. That's why you do it. I don't think look at him as a bad person. Hey, hey, that's my take. That's my hot take. 
Anyway, let us know most, your take. That's the most Canadian hot take I have ever heard in my entire life. You will not be mean. I mean, you don't have to be mean. It's just like being firm in that. No, I think the he's, fact that um, he was a he was a he's that there does was not a, an a abuse. I I think there was an abusive quality to it, but. You know, it's complicated. Oh, wow. I know I'm not alone. You're listening to me. You've maybe been there. Y'all got some trauma to work through. It's complicated. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Might feel like everyone around you is getting COVID and you're the only one who hasn't gotten it. Might feel like it. I mean, it's actually happening. Ryan is living this life. I'm the champ. Yes. You know, I'm the champ that has, has fought within the odds. Against all the odds. And honestly, it's it's not even about like just, I mean, of course it's about staying safe, but just out of like, I have ex- like existed during this. I am not going to get it. You're like winning the Hunger Games here. Yes. Uh, that, that's how I feel. It's like the lottery. Uh-huh. And I am the jackpot. Okay. So <laughs> the problem games. is, according to this article, Mike.com, the headline is you're probably going to get COVID at some point. So no. y- you better prepare yourself emotionally or how I'm to do it. I'm not manifesting that. All right. Well, I want to bring on this psychologist right now, Michael Wusick, who uh, was quoted in this article talking about how to deal with this emotionally. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? You know, we're great. We're healthy How's here. it sound like it's going? <laughs> That's a rhetorical We're on a question. downward spiral. <laughs> Uh, so, oh, it's, as long as we're smiling during it. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to say, are. this article wasn't written for any of us. None of us are going to get it. This is for the other people. Oh, yes, I already got uh, it. So. Yeah, Sheer actually got it. Oh, okay, well then, we, you can be excluded from this then. Yeah. Thank you. That's we're, I think I have a perspective wow, here. Michael, thank you so much. This is exactly why we brought you on to exclusion. So here's exactly. the thing. Exactly. This is the role of a psychologist. Yeah. How, how does someone emotionally prepare when they see all around them what seems to be like the world falling apart, you know, this getting closer and closer to them and something is out of their control, right? How do you deal with that? Yeah. I, for one, it's it's tough. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is to prepare for if you get it, but not ex- not not to expect to get it. Uh, I see I see a lot of clients who are kind of the the walking dead of expecting that it's going to happen, and they actually start taking more risks because of it. They stop wearing their mask. They go to make out booths and stuff like that. It's like we don't have to do all that. So it's having a plan. Have it really. Uh, Knowing what's going to happen, and the plan should be well beyond the what. Where's my test coming from? What's the the medicine I'm going to take? Because uh, when you have COVID, there's a lot of time on your hands, and most people, especially like really high productive people, don't do super well with not a lot of time on your hands. So having a plan of what what to do and how you're going to spend that time is super important. Yeah, but it seems like you can't even really plan for it because this thing is so just it comes out of nowhere and gets you. It's just like, how can you really prepare, especially if you are having some real, like, valid anxiety in this moment? Oh, yeah. I So, the real short-term thing I always encourage people to do is to come up with a self-soothing kit. So, just like a jackbox of Stuff they like, things that are comfortable, comforting, playlists that just make them feel good. Like, really have these things where they know, like, all right, this happens. This is the thing I'm going to go to. There's recipes of food I can make or there's a list of food I like. Stuff that just makes them feel good to give some comfort. Especially because the, the, this whole COVID stuff has been so anxiety-provoking that it's, like, 
there's also this huge stigma around catching it where people feel like self-punishing because they have it and they feel bad about mm-hmm. themselves because they have it now. And it's, you need to be nurtured if you get sick, not, not punish yourself. As the person who's been through it here, <laughs> um, I would say... You felt bad about getting COVID? Um, no, I mean, I was kind of like, I, I, I didn't because I had taken so many precautions and I was negative and I wasn't like the, re- like it surprised me. If anything, I think the person who gave it to me, there was like more guilt around that. Right. Mm. And then also because it involved the holidays and my family, there was a bit of, uh, you know, uh, it was sketchy a bit of like even mentioning it. I had to kind of take everyone out of the story. Right. And just go through it on my own acting like. I wasn't going to share anything with anyone, which is hard for me because I'm on social media and I share things with people. But I I like what you did say about, you know, you can't prepare yourself because you could either get no symptoms or a lot. And um, I think the more you kind of go with the flow of like what your body needs that day, the better. But what you said about like having the snacks you like or like good playlists, like all that stuff really helps to have that on hand in your place. Because let me tell you, gummy bears and worms, like gummy worms were like our favorite Mm -hmm. thing when we're dying basically and can't eat or taste anything well you know what's really interesting is um i have to agree with the not the gummy bears or the gummy i mean that's <laughs> your own thing i mean whatever <laughs> but i think what's interesting is even when i over the holidays there were people there was like a couple people that i had saw and they were so when i tell you they felt so bad about the fact that there was a possible exposure well, that yeah and that's... that for sure was like something so interesting where i was like well i mean we can't do anything about it now. Let's just go. Like, I'm just going to go get a test and find out my results. Luckily, I was negative. But it's it's something about that where it's like they couldn't even shake it up even after they found that I had a negative result. It's just this this pressure of like, oh, my God, I'm such an awful person for spreading it. Oh, yeah, it's, it is. It's a it's a weird mindset around it. The uh, like the feeling of guilt that you could possibly be carrying it and giving it to someone like it's like it's like you're doing it intentionally. So that's that's a, a hard existential piece of a lot of this is um, just w- what it means to catch it or to spread it or who you yeah. gave it to. Like those are the things that nag at you when you're just trying to get better. Yeah, I would just say like take care of yourself and don't judge yourself too much because that doesn't like help the situation when you know you're just trying to get better. I loved how you said in this article on Mike.com you said it, it really it is really important to make sure that we are not expecting to get sick. Shouldn't we expect to get sick, though? I mean, just if we are thinking that everyone's going to get it. So it's, it's, a, it's a, there's a difference between preparing if you do get sick and expecting to get sick. Kind of yeah. like if you are in a relationship, you expect to get dumped. Like, what sweet things are you going to do for that person feeling like you're going to get dumped eventually <laughs> versus, all right, I might get dumped and it's going to suck, but I'm, I'm going to do my best not to. Yeah. I think that's that mindset. Yeah, you don't want to catastrophize because then you become an anxious right. wreck and then you, you're, what's the word when you always think you're getting sick at every point? Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. Yeah, hypochondriac. It's one of my favorite words. All right, Michael Yuzik, thank you so much for joining us. No, really thanks appreciate for having me. It. it was fun. Yeah, stay safe out there. You too, and stay healthy. <laughs> yes. Uh, Michael is a Tampa-based clinical psychologist. Next up, Pope Francis's latest attack on pets. But does he have a point? Watch out, Coco. Ah! Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Pope is at it again. Saying things that people are very questionable of. 
So this time he's criticizing couples who choose to have pets instead of children as selfish, arguing that their decision to not be parents leads to a loss of humanity and is a detriment to civilization. And it's interesting. There's two sides to this, Ryan. And he's, you know, he's criticizing you, Ryan, because you're choosing to have a pet as a child. That's why I don't care about Pope Francis and he needs to shut up. Oh, you're too young. You are not ready to be a parent. <laughs> Did you just like plan my life? How you know I'm not ready to be a parent? I don't. Well, you said I, to I, me. I actually am a parent. A my, dog co- parent. No, but I'm a parent. To drop the dog because Coco has bills. I have to take care of her. She has food. She has clothes. Coco, I'm a parent, like any other parent. I appreciate that. But there's a lot of children that need to be adopted. Yeah. Orphan exactly. children today, Dogs. and they're needing Just like parents. orphans. So that's why, yeah, he brought up the idea that there's a lot of humans that need to be adopted, not just animals. And there is an issue with, do- is, with why would animal he... adoption, too, but... But, like, some people, kids are not meant for everyone. And I don't know why there's such judgment around that. Like, that's that's my thing with organized religion. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Because I'm annoyed at this point. Stop using organized religion to fearfully make people do things that they don't want to do. If they don't want to have kids, guess what? I rather them not have kids so they don't make those kids awful people that often like also go into the world and and have off like make awful decisions and also make their future kids and create this cycle. Like people are making informed decisions about who they feel that they would be if they were parents, and honestly, I rather you be selfish and get yourself a damn cat or a dog or a llama instead of getting a child. Because guess what? You're going to end up resenting that child and not wanting that child. And then they end up orphans. Or, and, yeah, and needing someone exactly, to adopt them. Exactly. It's a vicious cycle. And here's the thing. If, speaking of saving humanity, actually, there's too many people in the world. And the more kids we have, the more we're actually hurting the planet. So us stopping that or doing less of that is actually helping humanity. Did you know that? Thank you for that reading, beautiful rainbow. <laughs> no, I think it's 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 also that the conversation that where we're talking about abortion rights and all these oh, certain yeah. things where people want you to have the kids, but guess what? If you don't want the kid, they're going they're going into the system. That's not helpful. That's not doing anything. It's really only creating more like heartbreak and creating more like situations where these children are damaged or scarred or going through trauma because of the situations that we're forcing people to do. Yeah, listen. I, I'm not into that. Pope Francis, stop it. Let people have their dogs or their cats or their llamas. You know, well, I wouldn't necessarily listen to Pope Francis and take what he says, like, over... He's the Pope. Of course there's people taking... Well, no, me. But I'm saying... I would maybe take him a bit more seriously if he himself had children. Who's speaking? He can't. He's the Pope. Obviously. I don't think he's even allowed to. Advice can he really give? Self pleasure. (laughs) I mean, yes, you're right. Like he, I mean, I would never listen to someone who can't even self pleasure. What a exhausting, sad life. Just to be of a church over a church. The pipes are clogged. Oh my God! The pipes are clogged. Pope's pipes are clogged, and they are blue. All right. Um, we're moving on. <laughs> Actually, perfect timing. Did you get it, though? Yes, I, I got oh, it. A new study reveals how intelligent celeb-obsessed people are. <laughs> Could this be you? Details next. I'm still sticking by their blue. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
So are you obsessed with the Kardashians? Maybe you can't get enough of the Real Housewives series. Well, chances are. Why are you laughing at that? Like that is not someone's actual hobbies. I know. Well, because I was. Uh, don't you like Real Housewives? Yeah. Are All you right. making fun? Of, is this your way of making fun of me? Let me have a few laughs. <laughs> you know, I'm. You know, guess what? I yes, I thoroughly enjoy it because I'm watching a lot of critically acclaimed, you know, content, and sometimes I just want to be able to relax that is and, true. and enjoy. Something. I agree. Well, chances are, if you are obsessed <laughs> with celebrities and gossip, you're an idiot, according to Hungarian academics. <laughs> well, no one asked them. <laughs> new research has deemed people obsessed with Hollywood gossip, A-list celebs, to be not that smart, which will surely, um, according to this New York Post article which probably this person talks about celebrities, so they wrote the article. I don't know how smart they are. Um, which is pretty much a blow uh, to people who love tabloids and tuning into reality TV. Um, so they said there's a direct association, this is from BMC Psychology, between celebrity worship and poor performance on cognitive tests, but measuring both literacy and numeracy. Numeracy. Uh, <laughs> we already, both of us don't know. I've never used that word. <laughs> Wait, I forgot, I'm looking up I need to expand my vocabulary. I do. Yeah, I do they too. said that. Oh, it's the ability to understand and work Yeah, I know, numbers. I get that, but is it numeracy? <laughs> numeracy. The study, <laughs> I think you're, you're watching the downward spiral right here of like, we are part of this study too, obviously. <laughs> the study asked these Hungarian adults, like only 1,700, it was a small pool, to undertake a 30-word vocabulary test and digit symbol substitution test before completing a celebrity attitude scale questionnaire. Participants had to answer yes or no to a series of statements on the celebrity attitude scale, including I often feel compelled to learn the celebrity or the personal habits of my favorite celebrity. Anyway, so that's how they realized like they were into the celebrities and then they had to do these cognitive tests. Well, they found that uh, celebrity obsessed people performed poorly on the test versus others, which isn't that surprising because if you're so specific and like focused on one field or you know, uh, um, a certain topic, including one that is looked at as, I would say, superficial. Although there are people that can look at celebrity and pop culture in a, a very um, more intellectual way, right? Like they're um, cultural commentators. Like, you know, you're one of those, Ryan. So I, I think there's a way to not you look at it. You laughed when I first came up with that name. No, she literally laughed in my face, y'all. No, I did. She thought I it liked was the, it. No, I she, actually love it. She giggled. Like, it was one of those things where she couldn't believe that that was like a real thing. <sighs> and she had been doing it her entire career. I know. It's just a new name because, you know, people have dropped the pop and it's just culture right That's now. That's true. Uh, yeah, I used to say pop culture expert and all that. But <laughs> back in my day. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that it is a bit of uh, a cliche to say, oh, just because you're into entertainment, all this, you're obsessed with that stuff. You're a uh, a dumb person. Yeah, I don't. But think... now this maybe proves it. Well, no, I don't think it proves it at all. Because guess what? Um, I think the ideas of understanding entertainment, because it's it's literally just basically the study of like humans on a, a on a huge level, where you're understanding like critically like actions and behaviors and the reasons why we react to certain things and how it informs the culture. That is a pretty powerful thing. And I think entertainment ha plays a huge part, especially when it comes to intersecting with politics and the ways that we even see our politicians become basically celebrities. I, I feel like. That has, that's at the center of what, I mean, 
honestly, our culture here in this country is has been from the beginning. Um, and I think and where's we, the U.S. as a country now? I mean, a mess. But I, I think there's something still really interesting about it because it really can inform the way that our reactions and the culture is being um, moved. And when it comes to representation, when it comes to the Me Too movement, all of those things have been because of entertainment. And it, because what we see and what how it has informed us and the interviews that we hear and the stories that we hear. Well, that's those, a bit those, different than that, being that, uh, obsessed with gossip, right? No, that I mean, your perspective, what you just shared, is a bit different than someone who's going to be picking up that National Enquirer when they're at the checkout. Yes, it is. I've seen it. Oh. I actually, I was like, I can't believe I it's still around. That's that. like how oh. weird it is to me. I, but I think, I think you're not, you're, you're not giving credit to people that are smarter. That I think back yeah, in the day, maybe like, like 10, 15, 20 yeah. years ago, people would look at National Enquirer and be like, oh, I believe every word they say. Now, because we have such an access of the level of access that social media provides us, we know a lot of those things are just fake news. Like, that's just not real. And so it's it's one of those things where I, I do think because we've, um, we've, we have grown and evolved as, you know, a society. I, I do think it has given us more of a perspective of entertainment where even the gossipy stuff can really inform how we view certain things. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think you do have a different perspective. I don't think everyone um, has that. Right. And is looking at it through that lens. Right, like well, they're I'm not just like say I'm right, who's Benefer? But they like should. who's Benefer? Oh my God! Ah! you know, and like that too powerful. There's a huge enamored us. There's a huge company, uh, company, a huge industry around it. I mean, making a ton of money, including paparazzi and all that that feed into it. But I, I think it's also important when you're looking at entertainment to to one still be critical of it right still call out how stupid it is but then also don't call out like don't think it's so stupid that it's not having an impact that's where you get lost behind like you get left behind because the idea if you don't think this stuff has an impact you're wrong it has literally helped conversations come to the 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 front of the you know those are the people i think definitely looking at it in a more intellectualized way what i'm saying is i could see this and then we're going to wrap up because if all you're doing is consuming this type of content you're so obsessed with it you aren't broadening your vocabulary or your knowledge that's about not things. true I, I wholeheartedly disagree there are people who are like bravo like stan accounts online who follow when i tell you the the bravo universe like the the mcu the marvel cinematic universe is the bravo cinematic universe and people are intensely like into it and it has given them uh, full careers they have like literally written there's a guy who just wrote a, a book with a co-wrote a book with andy cohen about the housewives and he's like a new york Times bestseller and he's a legit journalist I want to see. Like there are like these are. I want to see things. their their SAT scores and their IQ tests. That's not. That's not. Okay. I, that <laughs> first of all, SAT scores, IQs, all that stuff is just this all is a what construct. It's based but it's a construct. That stuff's not real. I don't believe that. I, that that stuff does not tell you who's the next genius and who's not the next genius. Okay. That was just something to gatekeep people to make them feel like they couldn't, you know, achieve a level of success because other people didn't want them to achieve it. Hey. When's the last time you did a math problem? That's none of your damn business. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. This one goes to a New Zealand reporter who's making history as the first primetime anchor with a traditional face tattoo. 
Um, it is so be- beautiful. She tweeted this and posted it also on her Instagram, um, showing her before and after, and everyone is just applauding her. She's really breaking new ground. Her mm-hmm. name is Orini Kaipara. She is 38 and is almost 100% Maori, which is uh, Polynesian people indigenous to mainland New Zealand. Yeah, it's just incredible that she's taking up space and doing this in a way where, guess what, so many people watching her are going to be like, wow, this is the first time I'm seeing something like this in this space. And it takes a lot of courage and bravery to do something like this. Definitely. She is now hosting the primetime evening news broadcast on News Hub. That's where you can find her. So really good on her for... Just being herself. Come and on, owning who she is. I, like, that's incredible. Yep. That's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. It also reminds me um, of like when we, we're starting to see more like curly hair and natural hair being accepted into like news organizations and newsrooms. Like, that's just beautiful. And that, that's going to set the trends and, and change culture. Yeah, just altogether. owning ba- your background and culture and representing that on screen is so important, including mm. for representation. Mm. Lots more of that in 2022. That also does it for our show today. Yes, yes. But we are back tomorrow live right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern live. We're going to be getting into a lot of things, including talking about a woman who claims she switched to a vegan diet. And guess what? It improved her sex life, gave her longer orgasms. Oh, what? Well, That's the type of study that we need. Can't about relate, huh? you're, I mean, you're the resident vegan. I've never heard you say that. Maybe I need to be eating different greens. <laughs> that and more tomorrow. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about what is trust. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 